Jason. Hello. Hey, Jason Martell. Welcome back to the Edge broadcast. Thank you so much. So I realize we only got an hour tonight, so we'll try to get get through the things. If we can't get through enough, we'll have you back. But listen, my friend, uh, the last time you were on was 19 years ago, and I was just a young whippersnapper. I started the program right after uh, uh, Art Bell and Coast to Coast went under. I thought, hey, man, I could do that, but I, I could ask better questions. And so uh, uh, you were one of my— 19 years. Huh? 19 years. Yes, 19 years. May 1st, 2004. Wow, that's a long time. And to you, I think your website says you've been you've been involved in in this research for over 15 years. You need to update that, bro. I got <laughs> I think you're right. And in fact, uh, hey, before we get started and, and you know, hey, we're going to talk about some things, but uh I got a little thing here uh I'm going to do for you uh because I like you so much. I put together just a little snippet from that very first broadcast. Well, the first broadcast with you, and uh, so so uh, you should be able to see it. So I'm going to play. It. It's pretty short, but I'm, I want I want to play it for you. Hang on for a second. Excellent. This, this is going to be this is going to be me and you, and uh, where I was at the radio station uh, WNTS 1590 in Indianapolis. Awesome. All right. Let me get, I'll get out of the picture here myself. Take you out of the picture, and here we go. You can find out more about our guests and topics by logging on to the My Edge's original website, website right theedgeam.com. I remember That's it. theedgeam.com. And now here's your host for the Edge Radio broadcast. Here's Daniel Lott. Hey, welcome to the Edge Radio broadcast. We were hey, just, Daniel. I don't know if you caught that. We were just discussing the... Uh, Fissures underneath the ocean's surface where there are uh, sulfur pits and fire, and there are eight-foot-long worms. Did you know about that? I did. Wow. You mean in those black regions of the uh, ocean where, where the sunlight doesn't penetrate? <laughs> That's right. Very interesting. You can start comparing that with some of the oh, life yeah. models for possibly finding life on, uh, let's say, Europa, Jupiter's moon. Jupiter's moon. Do you believe there was life on that planet? It's not a question of whether I believe it or not. It's just that the evidence that NASA is saying with their latest probes says that there could be a 30-mile deep ocean underneath those cracked surfaces of a, a layered ice, kind of like tectonic plates of ice they have, but a 30-mile 30, 30 deep ocean. And some of the other moons of Jupiter, like Ganymede, Callisto, show uh, extensive volcanic activity. Mm -hmm. So heat, water, elements for life. Daniel? Yeah. I, I apologize. I need to go grab another power cord. Yeah. This one is... It just fell on the floor, and now it's having some. Oh, go ahead. Problem. You go right I'll ahead. Be right back. Be right back. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, he's going to get another power cord. It was surprising with it. 19 years ago. Now, you all may have noticed I had a different hat back then in, in the day. Of course, I was a lot younger, too, as well. But I was at this radio station right here, WNTS 1590. As you can see, it's in a total state of disrepair at this time. That's one of the reasons I got kicked off of that station station right there it was bought by hispanic broadcasters uh their their uh lineup fell apart they got no advertising and <laughs> they closed it i'm thinking wait a minute man this doesn't even make any sense i mean why, why, why they fire everybody and i went to the internet uh so so jason this is the station that i was at uh, wts 1590 it's, and it, like i said it's in a state of disrepair now it's and closed and that caused me to go to the to the internet. I went from the radio to the internet. But the thing about, mm -hmm. believe it or not, this station here is where David Letterman got his start. Huh? Yeah, right, right there Small in world. right there in Indianapolis. That's so cool. Yeah. So anyway, so welcome back to the that. show. Thank you, and thank you for sharing that clip. That was uh, brought back some memories there. Yeah. And even have you? I went to Wayback Machines, looking around your website there, see the changes. It's kind of funny. That's where I got it from. And that's where I got mine. I mean, it, nothing on the internet disappears. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yeah, it's uh, it does stick around. That's hopefully what? it'll stay too after even we're here. Well, it's true. So we got to make sure that what we put out there um, has some value, I, I guess, or at least nothing incriminating. <laughs> so to both of those, good, you know, yes, and also I would say that you know putting out information like we're doing on these topics where it's still a time of uncertainty of truth and not everyone on a society level agrees. Oh, look at that shot. Thank you. I do think it's interesting that we're on the cusp of perhaps generations from now, people will look back at this time and say, wow, what they must've been going through in this time of change. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I, I'm one to, to believe that what time you are in is the time that you were destined to be into. You were dropped into the time. And I, I, just, I just, my feeling about it. And I feel like you and I wouldn't have made it if we were dropped in time, say in the thirties, we had to be dropped in time in this day and age with these conditions that we're under. And so we can't really besmirch them and say, I wish I, which I did. I, I would think everybody, the world war two generation probably thought, man, I wish I was born in a time where there wasn't no war and civil war. Probably people said the same thing. And, Vietnam, I wish, you know, before or after. I mean, so, but we're here and we're like uh, you and I and uh, the, every, really everybody that's watching the program, we're like the pebble in the lake. We're, we, we want to drop something in that lake and we want that, uh, that, Have a ripple. that ripple just to carry on and to really not for any no, unknown purpose, but for the purpose of making a difference in somebody's life, whether that's truth or knowledge, understanding. I mean, if we're, if we're in a prison planet, I want to know about it. I may not be able to get out of it. But I don't want to be deceived into thinking that I'm not in it. Well, let's talk about that because, you know, we've got some evidence that's been on the table for over two decades now. And there is a pattern that's put in place that unfortunately revolves around deception. You know, we can use words like conspiracy, cover up, whatever you want. But where the story starts is basically, you know, 20 years ago, when we just met each other around that time frame, I was very much so interested interested in studying the structures on Mars. And at that time in the, you know, let's say 1994 range, there had already been a track record with NASA and how they've handled evidence in the past of obfuscating the data, right? So, you know, when we first went to the moon, some of these shots from the 60s, there's physical removal of things where they either cropped it and duplicated it mm -hmm. or just straight cut it out or like smudged it with another artifact from some other thing they copied and put it there. A lot of that type of bad patchwork in the beginning, computer software today can detect it instantly, right? Mm -hmm. So we have a track record that shows us crucial information, us going to the moon, things like that. Mm -hmm. Data was obfuscated. So now the same companies NASA and conglomerates that work under, you know, uh, contracts with the DOD and NSA and stuff. There's a, something in place that's not giving us the full picture. And once we moved from going to moon to the moon to Mars, where I got my interest, mm -hmm. I became very fascinated, right, with these structures, face and pyramids. To me, I was like, holy, you know, these things look like artificial structures like you would see on Earth. So I just became super fascinated that no one else seemed to be paying attention to this. And over the last 20 years, what we've seen is how NASA's handled the data from the Cydonia region of the face and pyramids. It's not like they've become more forthcoming with it and saying, well, we've, we've taken more high resolution shots and here's what you've been looking for. They did exactly what was expected but the mainstream society is not paying attention. Here's the problem, right? The same people that are telling you, there's nothing on the moon. We're going to hide stuff from you. There's nothing to see here. Are the same ones controlling the data on Mars that the original face taken in the 70s and now subsequently in other sets of data in the 90s and the 2000s several times, each time the face looked worse. It's like <laughs> they either, right? They either bombarded it or scraped it mm -hmm. or obfuscating it. Mm -hmm. And so now when you go on the internet and you type on, you know, type in face on Mars, right? All you'll get is a lot of hoopla around. Oh yeah, it was debunked. They filmed it in 1998 with the Mars Global Surveyor. And again, with the European Space Agency and, you know, reconnaissance mm -hmm. and all these other ones. And of course it looks just like they want you to see it, which is no, of course it doesn't look like a face. There's mm -hmm. no face to see here. So I just want to start the conversation by saying that, yes, there is something in place around deception, because at the core of these topics, we're, we're looking at things all over the planet that we still don't understand here on Earth, right? Mm -hmm. These are things on Mars that we're still trying to figure out on another planet. So it's 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 a it's a big question. Yeah. And interesting, you, you brought up the deceitfulness uh, of the uh of the government, NASA in particular, and so many, so many other agencies. And here, here's what I've said before recently on, on, when, on the program, and this is regarding the, the sort of rollout, to, um, I guess, uh, the, uh, the, the larger rollout of AI is 
out there now. Now it's like a game, AI chat or chat RG or who knows what, BFG, uh, BFD in, in my world. But this thing is going to have to be programmed to be the biggest computer liar ever. And I'll tell you why, uh, Jason. Um, uh, the standard computer, and I know you're computer literate, and it looks like you you developed some flash stuff. I mean, I'm looking back in your history. I know you, okay? So I know you're I know you're good at that. So you you certainly understand about the X's and those the ones the ones the ones and the O's and zeros. You know that a computer data in data out it can't alter uh, unless it's say like an election. But we'll talk about that. I'm just saying you can't it 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 it, it can't. Different, it, it can't change from the information in and out. It it is digitized. But now what has to happen is you ask it if you ask it if, um, uh, if now I don't want to get too crazy, but just the blaring one. Are there two genders? It's not going to say yes. Or is there structures on Mars? It's not going to say yes. There are things. Uh, was there how many buildings went down 9/11? It's going to say two. Well. We know that's not right. We, we, I'm just saying it. it the the computer has gone from information in, information out, and it, it can't vary from that. And the truth is what the truth is. But now it's flux. It's going to be fluctuated. It's going to be it's going to be messed with internally to make who's controlling it to tell you what they want you to know. You make a good point, and I would address it this way. You know, when we talk about AI, I use AI in my professional field and in my personal field. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I look at it as a utilitarian device. Mm -hmm. All the things that I would want to do manually, design something, <clears throat> have a creative spark, write some code, AI can do that for me faster. Mm -hmm. So as a right. utilitarian device, I think it's great. But when we talk about, you know, next level uses of AI uh, or being used in, you know, the wrong ways, um, I would say that there's probably lots of ways what you're saying that I, you know, should be put into consideration. You, meaning if you use chat GDP, um, if you use any of these things, open AI's uh, software, any of these things, um, you'll find that the machine learning used is basically using a set of data. That's like what you said. If you have any of the juicy questions around our conspiracy stuff, you're going to find that it's using top shelf information like Wikipedia, right? It's not going to mm -hmm. tap into data sets that are below that line of threshold. And so I think that's important to note that we can't be reliant on AI to be this all-encompassing smart machine because mm -hmm. the machine learning we provided, it's a, it's only a utilitarian device. We have to feed the machine what we want it to be able to access much faster than we can. Mm -hmm. So right now, a lot of these, you know, chat AIs that are getting publicity, right, they lack the data, the database of, let's say, Eric Von Daniken, Zachariah Sitchin, Lloyd Pye, David Childress, Giorgio Tsoukalos, and probably like 1,500 other people, that would probably change the model if incorporated into the machine learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. In fact, uh, the video that I played from 19 years ago, I put through AI to clean it up. So, you know, I, I would say that it has its purpose, utilitarian wise. There you go. There you but, go. But when it, yeah. I believe that AI is now going to be, it's going to, it's the next level is, is going to be put in charge of decisions. It's going to operate things. It's going to replace people. It's going to re replace careers. All right, we got a question in here. We can't take too many because I know you don't have that much time. Uh, put Yahweh first. Says Jason. What found ancient technologies are we using now? I'll answer that in a juicy way. In the more modern times, there was a book written called The Day After Roswell by a mm -hmm. gentleman named uh, Colonel Corso or just Philip Corso. Mm -hmm. He's verified uh, military intelligence, mm -hmm. reverse yeah. engineering German technology. On his deathbed, he basically came clean about reverse, reverse engineering technology from the Roswell craft was not a spacecraft he described it more like a time machine and so the technologies that they found in there things from velcro to night vision to fiber optics mm -hmm. all of that stuff they said that they would learn enough about it and stick it back in there and activate it as a time machine where it would go back to the date of discovery but those enhancements were made so that the people could reverse engineer it faster and they did that several times so that the learning capacity would be enhanced each mm -hmm. time they sent it back. Mm -hmm. So you think about that and go, okay, well, that means we have access to altering the timeline as well as advanced technologies that came out of a crash, you know, in 47, 
I wonder what they've had, had access to since then. Mm -hmm. All right. And we have this question here from our moderator, Jay he says, what has been the most amazing tidbit of information you've learned since working with the ancient alien folks? Well, I'd say it's a more ubiquitous answer to say that, you know, I am very grateful to be a part of that family and to do the research that is done from that organization simply because I'm one researcher and the topics that I'm interested in and are in my field of, of view or on my radar are selective. Ancient Aliens is tasked in now season 19 to come up with intricate new details around the ancient astronaut theory, maybe even look at something from a new angle. So to me, I'd say the most fascinating thing is the fact that they've been able to lean into this topic from a scientific perspective. And the producers of the show, including, including myself for over 10 years of you know, helping shape some of the episodes, mm -hmm. they're really, ha everyone's hands-on finding these details and understanding that it touches all cultures around the world, having these mythological tales of their past where pretty much every culture, at least 30, around the globe, if you ask them, where do your gods come from? They never came down from the mountains or across the lake. They came down from the skies mm -hmm. in some type of flying machines. So reverse engineering that <laughs> with our own modern technology, and I, I, I use that term metaphorically, but there isn't a real sense reverse engineering of ancient technology that's been going on probably for longer than Roswell, things that we found maybe in Antarctica and under the ice sheets that are you know, left as legacies from previous generations of technological civilizations here on Earth. And that's the big egg that we're trying to crack now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so did uh, Giorgio give you a little uh, alien space lapel pin? A little ship? <laughs> it's funny because I'll give you a little inside information on that pin. Anyone who watches the show, pay attention to the pin's direction. I, and probably everyone else on the show, and I'm not giving Giorgio our time, he's my brother, mm -hmm. But we all have the plane pointed up. Mm -hmm. And I asked at AlienCon, which I was just at this weekend, and I saw a lot of my colleagues, and I asked every single one, including Eric Von Daniken, why are you wearing the pin with the plane pointed up? Mine was pointed up. And I told them, I said, well, my answer is because I, I know they came down. I want to go up. I want to go to the heavens, you know. Wow. Uh, Giorgio is the only one, I think, on the show where his plane is pointed down simply because he's upholding the knowledge that they came down. And so well, look at uh, that. It, he did start that him and Eric Von Daniken. Um, <laughs> I jumped on that train, um, you know, kind of when we started the show and I've, I've been wearing my pin faithfully ever since. And now it's kind of like an inside, <laughs> I guess, thing, you know, to have the pin. Yeah. So, well, let's see. That's how it is. I guess I got to be on the show, man. When I had, jo I had Giorgio on this show and, and I, and I told him to send me a pin. He never did. All right. Uh, live station. We'll make sure to get you a pin. Huh? We'll make sure you get, you get your pin. Man. Hey man. Thanks. Appreciate that. Of course. All right. Uh, Life Station Express says, uh, is outer space under the dome or outside the ice wall? Lies are everywhere. Okay. Well, I answer that from a slightly different angle to say this. Um, I do believe that there is some other force in charge of our airspace that perhaps are not the ancient gods like the Anunnaki or some of these other Mayan gods or you know, around the globe, there's gods uh, that are spoken that came down from various star constellations. Mm -hmm. I look at those as the good gods or the good aliens. And I wonder if today we're in a partnership or something with beings that maybe don't have those lost or those past uh, relationships in our best interest. Um, I'm being very vague, but I would just say that there appears to be a very large presence of our military might already in space. Even since Reagan building the Star Wars initiative, a lot of that technology was focused outward, uh, not pointing towards the planet. And so I just I would say that I am not really a big advocate or fan of us militarizing space to the sense that the ancient gods that we want to stay connected to, I don't want them to return to our planet and us having big space guns pointing at them. <laughs> no. Um, so I fear that that might be somewhat of and I'm totally guessing, Daniel, but I would say that might be somewhat of the struggle that's going on between the Galactic Federation, our governments, and this 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 other faction that's saying, you know, we we want to have access. Um, so I don't really know how all it works, but it is a very complicated topic as far as mm -hmm. how it's being handled today. And mm -hmm. 
the release of things like UAPs versus UFOs. It's getting interesting. Well, uh, speaking of that, I mean, there's this recent barrage of um, unidentified objects in United States airspace beyond the balloon. Do you think any of those are extraterrestrial? No. I, I, well, let me answer it this way. The ones that are covered in the news uh, recently, balloons and stuff, no, no, that's just all balloons and stuff, in my opinion. Now, I do think there's been a lot of technology that has been swarming our airships, naval bases, missile silos, and stuff like that, that is questionable on both fronts for foreign adversary stuff, which sucks, um, as well as alien technology. Um, you know, going back to Rendlesham, Rendlesham mm -hmm. Forest, yeah. many other sightings where people are like staffed nuclear silos, individually powered, and they're being shut off by a glowing disc hovering up above. That to me sounds more like alien technology. That to me sounds more like that hand I'm referencing that are more like either the good guys or that do have our best interest in heart that are showing extreme resilience in not getting involved and helping us make decisions. They're kind of just slightly pushing us to not screw up, but making sure that we can't by basically saying, no, you're not going to play with your nuclear weapons anymore. Well, yeah, gonna... there's there's the, the evidence that they shut off nuclear weapons before and here we are, what appears to be the cusp of World War III. I'm not a doom and gloomer myself. I'm more of an optimist, and I would think that any rational mind would would know you can't you can't nuke one country without that radiation flying over the planet and killing everything in its path. But but is it possible with the the ramping up of these forces and and the 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 routine talk of World War III today? Well, are we ready for it? Well, they're getting ready for it. Just kind of. You know, just popping up here and every, everywhere. I wonder if, say, those those entities that interfered with the nukes before, are they abreast of the tensions worldwide, and are they prepared to step in if need be? I would answer it in probably a not so awesome way by saying, my personal gut says no, they would not interfere because we already have technology that. I'm not a historian in the sense of looking at how we've handled wars for the American um, you know, uh, population and, and, and other uh, countries that we've had issues with. But there's clear evidence to show that when we've had issues in the past, you know, we, we didn't take a mild step. Um, you know, Hiroshima, uh, things like that. You know, I would, I would really hate to see us be in a position to have to exercise the United States force again, because I, can, I can't even imagine what it could be, but I would just theorize that there's probably things on the table where, you know, a continent could just disappear. Hmm. Just, just, right? just disappear. The weapon would just be gone or like every living thing that's, you know, mm -hmm. they, that doesn't need to be there could just be gone, you know? So I, I don't, I, I'm not really a conspiracy theorist in that sense, but I would say that I'm aware that there is probably advances in warfare that are, you know, seriously mm -hmm. critical. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would hate to see them be deployed. Um, you know, just, just the thought of the fact that, uh, you know, there's nothing like that happening now uh, as far as nuclear weapons being deployed and such. Mm -hmm. And so if we were to have some type of escalation, I would also worry that there's another staged event. You know, you mentioned 9-11. <clears throat> there's been other things that show from maybe a ufologist perspective or someone who's more open-minded to conspiracies that there's been a series of events, it's even documented, that the next large one could be a fake alien invasion, mm -hmm. right? So if there's mm -hmm. a World War III coming and there needs to be some type of intervention, hey, got to. If there needs to be some type of intervention, um, that would be a great way to get everyone's attention. The aliens are here to stop it. Mm -hmm. uh, but if something like that happened, in my mind, that would be a staged event. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's not like antiquity. You know, like antiquated evidence that it's happening that way. It would be something that was staged mm -hmm. uh, with some other agenda. Um, well, in my being being the television star that you are, and the people you associate with, do you ever? Do you guys ever bring in a strictly uh, sort of a spiritual conversation in, in, into the discussions or does it like people start getting nervous if somebody starts veering down that way? I, I would <clears> say it just depends on the audience. You know, everyone has their own personal perspective. I was raised as a Christian. Um, and so now that I am not 
holistic to Christianity. I respect all religions and basically just I'm a spiritual person. You know, I, I think I understand what it means to live a good life and help. Here's the way I'd answer it. There's small things, right? Like I would see an insect, a worm, I don't care what it is. If it's a living creature and I have the ability to help it and it's in need, I'm obligated. And I think people around the world just need to have a better, probably a better stance on helping each other. Uh, so that's, that's probably just at a fundamental level. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we just need to, you know, make better, better decisions on how we're treating mm -hmm. each other. So I would say if an alien race was in, you know, ever introduced, I do think it would help us realize how special we are and our minor differences, like Reagan has said in like 12 different speeches, you know, how, how quickly we would bond together as a species. I think that would be interesting to see. Mm -hmm. Um, and you have a lot of information on your website. Um, but have you ever gone out and actually dug for artifacts? You know, my my research early on was uh, I did a lot of actual paranormal research. It wasn't my thing to go out into the field and discuss that. Mm -hmm. But I was lucky enough to be involved in. Uh, and so, yes, I've looked, you know, looked for evidence and gone on location at ancient sites and uh, discovered some petroglyphs in various areas and stuff. Um, but I think my earliest um, contributions were just opening up this information and my ability with technology to put it on the internet, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, I'm talking about the early 90s with Zachariah Sitchin um, and a lot of the stuff with alien abductions. I had some close friends, uh, you know, God rest them now. I'll name some of them, Dr. Roger Lear, <clears throat> uh, Lloyd Pye, Zachariah Sitchin. Um, you know, leaning into Dr. Roger Lear for a moment, there's still people today that are alive, Whitley Strieber, our friend Steve Neal. Um, and I got very lucky to be pulled into the inner circle of alien abduction phenomenon. And it was, um, it opened up my eyes real quick. Um, and I had trouble sleeping at night, obviously, for quite a while having to deal with that information. But after being able to swallow that pill, I pretty much anything was on the table. You know, like if this is happening now, and, and, and that, you know, probably still is, then, you know, Great, I'm I'm game for anything. Um, I think these topics are like a Disneyland for a for an adult. Honestly, it's you know it's really an engaging topic that we don't know the answers, mm -hmm. but more and more evidence is coming out, and we can talk about some of that as far as the directions it's heading. Like the new Netflix special by Graham Hancock called "Ancient Apocalypse," uh, which he did a very good job. Wow. Well, let's let's talk about um, uh, your book, uh, "Knowledge Apocalypse." Uh, Give, explain explain the title. Well, I did publish that before the ancient uh, mm -hmm. apocalypse uh, special on Netflix, which right. is neat to see the the knowledge apocalypse uh, or the word apocalypse being used, which just means a revelation of knowledge. Mm -hmm. The book for me basically is just encompassing my journey of research, um, discovering the deception there around our space program and NASA and why it's why it's in place. They didn't think people would be ready for it, for it, and and then realizing some of the deeper topics are what I discuss in the book around. There's been a change that ha that's been happening, you know, ever since the Mayan calendar's 2012 date wasn't the end of time. Mm -hmm. It was the end of end of one epoch of time, where we moved from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius, and that sounds like spiritual stuff, but. It's actually some scientific stuff woven in there. If you look at what's happened since the time of 2012 up till now, the exponential interest in shows like Ancient Aliens and alternative topics, um, it's growing. And that is exactly the path that we're on, is there's this larger cycle of time that I think we're starting to discover, <clears throat> which shows us that the further back we go, we, for, we find more and more advanced technology that makes us scratch our heads. Gobekli Tepe mm -hmm. and other sites that push that clock further back. First dynastic pharaohs, uh, first dynastic peri uh, periods of, of Egypt. It's all the super high technology. And then it starts to get a little worse as they're forgetting it and coming up into our time frame. So mm -hmm. there's some esoteric understandings as to looking into the past and also understanding where we're going in the future by understanding how all these ancient cultures really analyzed the heavens and watched to understand where they were in this cycle of time to understand what changes were coming. Mm -hmm. uh, when you were uh, uh, producing or involved with getting the, 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 the productions out of the, 
of the series, particularly Ancient Aliens and others, has any of the producers come to you and said and told you that we're not going to go down that road or you can't talk about this or that? Never. Mm-hmm. And then, nope. and then from 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 what you see, did do do the again back to the producers? Did they look at this as a uh, a purely financial in, endeavor, or did you see some genuine interest where they're like like-minded people that were looking for people that are genuine, the genuine artifact for people to, to do the that are doing the research? I would say that it's it's a very interesting situation for for the ancient aliens. Um, brand in general Um, over 19 seasons of looking into this information you know there's only when I first started this you know looking into these topics and became on the show which was 15 years ago um, these topics were taboo when a TV show would ask us to do something when when I was approached the show right before that like a few years ago was on the Discovery Channel they flew me out to the Anasazi ruins in uh, Arizona I show up to an Indian reservation. I'm read. I'm, I'm read. I'm greeted by the ranger because I'm in a taxi, and they're like, "Do you have the archaeologist Jason Martell with you?" I was like, "Nice. This is how I like to arrive. I'm not an archaeologist, <laughs> but I'll take that title. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll wear that hat." Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, great experience until I saw saw how they edited the show. They put Eric Von Daniken and myself in a light where it's like, "Look at these quacks." Talking about ancient artifacts built by aliens, pyramids built by aliens. Dude, we never even said the pyramids were built by mm. aliens. Point is, up till ancient aliens, the, the facts were always distorted, and we were always put alongside skeptics. It would be like, here's this ancient pyramid that may have been built by alignment to the stars. And then it would have a skeptic come on and say, no, 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 I can build that little model, and the wind makes a change. Like, you would leave everyone confused. So ancient aliens was the first show to dig in deep with their heels and say, nope, we're sticking here, right? So I would give them credit for that because being able to dig into this topic the way they have, they've changed the view of this globally. Mm-hmm. And you can see that in the way they're doing the shows now and the tours that they're doing. The, the fan base is just exponentially growing and it's it's very heartfelt and gratifying mm-hmm. to see. So to your question, Yes, it's a business at the network level. Mm-hmm. Any network owns the brand Ancient Aliens, mm-hmm. and it's in their best interest for their brands to continue to rise. Mm-hmm. If you ask any of the people at like Prometheus who are editing the show or producing the content, yeah, no, no, it's not just about money. It's not like everybody's mm-hmm. getting paid like lots of money. I, I mm-hmm. hope they're getting paid well enough. They should mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. because they're doing very, very good work, mm-hmm. and it's definitely coming from an angle of passion which you can see in every episode. Okay. And let me just point out one last thing too. Sure. Um, Kevin Burns, who created the show, you know, he was involved for about 15 seasons. I, I, I might be wrong. I apologize. But up till his death, God rest his soul, like every single episode, he would hands-on say, no, no, don't nip, do this, that, that. I mean, he was really hands-on. And so the staff that grew underneath him was, were also very hands-on. So even to this day, there's a legacy of, I think you'll find that these topics, maybe they'll become more current, Mm -hmm. but they're always going to go deep. Even look at the current people that are on Ancient Aliens, the cast. You've heard of things like ATIP and such like that. Mm -hmm. Ancient Aliens cast now has a vast access to data and evidence that is compelling. And I'm, I'm very proud to see the show continue. Okay. What, uh, what is the consensus on the, what some people call glass structures on Mars? Well, you know, the structures on Mars, uh, again, have a lot of evidence that points to either a civilization that was there in the past or that is still occupying perhaps in subterranean levels. So these glass structures have been theorized to be some type of tunneling. They look like some type of tunneling Mm -hmm. system. But, you know, until we send people there, we're not going to have those answers. Now, that's where it does get, again, interesting. Following SpaceX, we see that within, you know, two to five years, we're going to have feet to Mars actually being able to answer these questions. That will change the game once we actually send people to Mars and they can Mm -hmm. go investigate Cydonia and other sites and prove that there's, you know, astroarchaeology on other planets. Is is Elon Musk going to beat NASA to Mars? Oh, yeah. He's already he's well ahead of them. Now, beat them to Mars. I think we've already been to Mars. Uh, 
Will we return to Mars under the flag of NASA or under SpaceX? Most definitely, it'll probably be under SpaceX. Mm. Um, well, I'll tell NASA you what. Is already, nice, nice I, shot. I, They're already using SpaceX technology. I, I've, never, I've never seen NASA land a rocket. I mean, that, you yeah. got to admit, man, a, a rocket landing like that, that that's badass. I, I'm just going to say it right now. Okay, that that is strictly badass. All right, um, here's another question from our moderator. It says, what do you think uh, the ancient alien technology, why do you think the ancient a- alien technology disappeared from our knowledge? There seems to be a memory loss a, a human-wide Well, here's how I would answer that. I think it's a little bit more of an advanced topic. I've been studying something that today we call precession, which is a 24,000-year cycle. The modern math on it is 26,000 years. Precession is a 24,000-year cycle where over 30 ancient cultures broke that down into the 12 houses of the zodiac, right? So there's 12 constellations, and every 2,000 years, our North Star is pointing to a new one of those constellations. So for some reason, the ancients used this celestial clock watching the heavens as they move to know when there was changes coming. Excuse me. So we can see that how they tracked it was to say there's 12,000 years of going into a golden age where we just naturally are able to learn and evolve faster. And then there's 12,000 years going into the dark ages. And so when you look in the past, you've, you've heard of these terms, the Dark Ages, a Golden Age. It's a cyclical cycle caused by the astronomical movements that we currently call precession. But there's a flaw in that model. Precession right now is looked at as like a lunar solar, just like basically every 72 years, we have a little wobble that's <clears throat> degrading our orbit. That's wrong. More than likely, we are a binary solar system meaning that we have two suns. And if we have two suns, that changes the whole model of how our solar system dynamics and motion should be taken into account. If we are in orbit, if our sun is in orbit around another sun, that means all the planets that are spinning around the sun, well, we're going along for the ride as those two suns are in motion. So from that perspective, if we are a binary system, which most of the other solar systems that we film externally Mm-hmm. have two suns some of them even more mm-hmm. cirrus a and b is probably the closest one to us it's binary probably mm-hmm. a really good source of where life came from too and we'll talk about that but there's strong evidence to suggest we're also binary so from that perspective our view of the solar system in three-dimensional space is changing because we're actually moving through space mm-hmm. yeah. so that changes the current model slightly of understanding But it also gives us a much more holistic understanding of just how advanced our ancients were in tracking procession and trying to preserve that natural energy, Mm -hmm. which seemed to come from the two suns. Meaning, here's here's the kick, Daniel. When the suns are at their farthest points in their orbit, Mm -hmm. that's when we're in the dark ages. When the suns are at their closest point, we're in the golden age. Mm -hmm. Something about the sun's energy. Think about it. Summertime. Right. All plants and animals, everything leans towards the sunlight and gets happy. Mm -hmm. When the sun goes away, we slow down and get quiet. Now, the basic principle is this, and then I'll stop for a moment. The ancients were aware of three motions that affected them. One, Earth is spinning on its axis. Right. And Mm -hmm. they knew this. And they tell you to say 12 hours of awake, 12 hours of sleep. You don't think about it, but because of that spin, you go into a subconscious state and dream. Cycle two. We're going around the sun, 365 days a year. What happens because of that motion? Seasons change, literally like temperatures change, animals migrate, you know what I mean? Plants coming up and out of the ground and stuff. All of that because of a motion in the solar system. They said that there's a third one that affects the rise and fall of civilization. And it's a 24,000 year cycle, this one that I'm referencing. Mm-hmm. 24,000 years, we, we live 100 years if we're lucky. You know, uh, so a 24,000 year cycle is very hard for us to understand and grok that knowledge at this point. Mm. Uh, if there is a second sun, a binary sun, where would it be? Is it something that we should be able to see in a telescope? Well, you know, what's interesting is if you go back into the 1985 editions of science and technology encyclopedias, they actually show you that beyond the Oort cloud, that there's a 10th planet. 
or that there's another sun mm -hmm. where this 10th planet is orbiting, meaning all the information about a Nibiru or a planet X. If you think about it, one of the biggest questions about a 3,600-year orbit of a planet that zips around our sun but doesn't come back for 3,600 years, it must be looping around something else. Hmm. So there's a lot of evidence to show even the killing of the dinosaurs. There were theories that a nemesis, another sun, exists well beyond there, beyond that Oort cloud. And orbital debris dislodged from that mm -hmm. comes into the inner part of our solar system. That could have you know, killed the dinosaurs. So there's quite a bit of evidence to suggest a binary capability. Mm -hmm. But only our knowledge today is starting to rethink um, you know, if, if that's true. And I, I think we're still looking for these gravitational anomalies, gravity waves. They were looking for a 10th planet. It might not be a planet. You see, it might be a second sun that's causing these hmm. effects. Hmm. Uh, Seven Mile Bridge says, uh, Jason, do you think ancient tech is being hidden? I think we've kind of addressed that. Here's another one. Examples. Do you have any examples of ancient technology communications or travel? Well, um, let me see if I can hit both of those. So I do believe that there's still ancient alien technology that is either underground or under some of the ice sheets. And a lot of the rumors that we've heard about Admiral Byrd and the, the Nazis and all these other expeditions going to the poles, most likely it's because there's technology that's been found. It might not even be alien, but it might be advanced technological findings from civilizations that were prior here on earth. Hmm. And so I think that's really the big question of today is that there's, there's, <clears throat> there's evidence that we can still discover. And now there's tools out there like LIDAR radar, hmm. um, ground penetrating radar, where we haven't even surveyed the whole planet at a public level. Maybe we have using private tools, but that means like, you know, armchair archeologists can buy a set of drones and with some new, you know, multi-drone mm -hmm. technology, right. pass over areas and find stuff that we didn't even know about. And who knows what's down there? Maybe mm -hmm. there's still lots of gold and various other things. I just was Probably. reviewing an episode. Yeah, I like that. I, I like that idea. And who knows what's yeah, yeah. underground? But what if there was a major discovery? Yeah. Uh, isn't it likely that uh, it would uh, uh, the forces that be? would not let that go mainstream. And, and and let me ask you, speaking about mainstream, has any of what you guys have discovered, talked about your own personal research or from uh, ancient aliens, has any of that information ma made it into mainstream and caused, say, conventional researchers to say, hey, you know, we've, we've got to look into this? I think so. Uh, one, good, <clears throat> one good example would be a lot of the evidence today, if you go across cultures where they would date back how far their civilization goes couldn't be put into question. Egypt, prime example, 2500 BC, the building of the pyramids. Mm, maybe not, right? <clears throat> Excuse me, got a frog in my throat. There's a strong amount of evidence that you can use just as a layman without scientific degrees using geological and astronomical data to date something and show that, wow, this is probably not as accurate as what they're being, what we're being told. So the Giza pyramids and the whole site of the three pyramids and the Sphinx. Mm -hmm. First of all, geologically, the Nile River used to be right near the pyramids. Mm -hmm. The pharaohs yeah. would come down, get on their boat, have a cool cruise on the Nile. Mm -hmm. If you look on Google Earth today, you'll see that the Nile has neandered miles away from the pyramids. Geological change that can be tracked over time. It's mm -hmm. not 2500 BC. Mm -hmm. The other part of that is if you look at the inner walls of the Sphinx, there's been significant rain and water inundation mm -hmm. Seen it. Mm -hmm. that hasn't happened in Giza for 10,000 years plus, right? So geological data and then astronomical data, the pyramids themselves using star constellation charting software, Redshift and others that you can use on your phone will tell you AI. what stars are going to be right over your head at night and <clears throat> what stars might have been over your head 10,000 years ago. Is, is, is that AI? No, it's not AI. It's probably AI software that you can use now yeah. to do it faster. But yeah. there are models that already exist to track yeah. the motion. No, that's good. Tell you that, 
yeah, if you roll back the clock to 10,500 BC, mm -hmm. the pyramids are basically right above Orion. Orion is a terrestrial map, the pyramids, and 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 the Sphinx is gazing directly mm -hmm. east into well, the well, constellation. Well, well, Jason, how do how do conventional theorists uh, square the fact that Sidonia matches the, the Giza plateau? Uh, I I just think that there's a lot of correlation to the Orion constellation in general. There are many sites around the world that seem to have some type of a, an Orion connection. So the Mars-Earth connection might be just piece, a piece of that. That's what I latched onto is if there's a, a lion-like face in pyramids in Sidonia and there's a sphinx in pyramids in Egypt, there's a connection. Uh, but it seems to be, it seems to span beyond just Egypt as far as uh, locations mm -hmm. across the globe. Uh, did, and I haven't seen every ancient alien show. Did they ever do one on dinosaurs? Several times about okay. how... Okay. Um, the dinosaurs could have evolved to become, there's such large gaps of mm -hmm. tens of millions of years for evolution to have occurred that they could have literally have evolved into the reptilians. There's also, you know, tracks in Texas and Australia mm -hmm. that show man walking along dinosaur. I know that in a previous life, I must have had a pet dinosaur. My mm -hmm. fascination with iguanas and my... Uh, <laughs> well. here's, a fun, here's a fun fact of interest that has nothing to do with Okay. Ancient aliens. If you Google Jason Martell surfing iguana, I was the only one on NBC News to have my iguana ripping the waves because my iguana in San Diego, where I grew up, loved to body surf and would literally go out into the ocean, turn around and ride a wave to the shore. So I, I would say that, uh, you know, uh, our fascination with dinosaurs goes back maybe even beyond mm. what we understand in our current. So I, I want to get back to a consensus thing on that then, where I was heading, and that is, uh, did man walk with dinosaurs? Yes, most okay. definitely. I. Okay, uh, so we have man walk with dinosaurs, but that's not in the geological chart, evolutionary chart. We also have the giant bones. So, I mean, you can go through almost every, uh, and then the, we mentioned the structures, the structures all over the world, and there's pyramids all over the world, and they're just now, right. like you're talking about with the drones, are they're finding more pyramids and all kinds of stuff that's on a gargantuan scale that's just kind of, you can see the outline residue, the remains, and all this is sort of hidden knowledge. It's not it's, it's, it's not in any textbook. You have to go find it on your own. I'm just wondering, how many things are they going to lie about, and, and what's the purpose of withholding this information? Well, look, look at how I started the thing talking about deception, right? Mm -hmm. And how they're handling the stuff on Mars. That's on another planet. If you watch the current Netflix special, <clears throat> excuse me, if you watch the current Netflix special, Ancient Apocalypse, it's an eight-hour special with Graham Hancock. He shows how we, we face this same type of behavior where he goes to Serpent Mound in Ohio mm -hmm. and says, I want to investigate this for archaeological purposes. And they say, no, you're Graham Hancock. We don't agree with your interpretation of it, so we're going to deny you access to do research. <laughs> wow. Bad thing to do. Now it's recorded on the Netflix special, and we can go there as tourists and knock on your door and say, uh, yeah, I think you're going to let me in. We paid the taxes here. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to that or, or the ownership of the, of the people uh, of the current, uh, um, how they're using it for tourism, mm -hmm. but don't do that. But that's, <laughs> that's exactly what we face across the globe. Don't do that. Topics mainstream archaeology yeah. is to say oh, well we have our we have our paradigm in place and we're not going to let you mess with it fine then my kids in the next generation will tear it down because it's mm -hmm. coming apart period well i think everybody's idea should be put on the table and discussed we have so so, so many government agencies now and uh really educational i mean you just name it all all the the hierarchy of the country, they, they come up with a narrative and then nobody else's questioning is allowed. It's like, well, wait a minute, man. You know, one plus two may not equal five, maybe it equals three. And if they say the narrative is five, I mean, they'll go Harold and Howell, they'll, they'll do an IRS audit on you. So if, you know, if, if, I don't know if you guys ever rose to the ruffle level to where you get three-letter agencies looking into you or whatever, trying to dissuade you. It seems like if you get close to something they really, really don't want out there or they, they don't they don't want uh, an objective opinion that shows the opposite, you know, uh, I guess maybe you haven't reached that yet? 
I'd say it's a it's a very sensitive topic, honestly. To be to be honest, Daniel, um, the world has changed. I grew up in this information in this field, seeing the oppression of people trying to release these topics. Mm -hmm. It's a no no topic. It's a hush hush topic. You you don't talk about these things publicly. So the things that I've talked about and chosen to go public about are things in the past, a mm-hmm. stone, a pyramid, mm-hmm. someone flipped over a rock and found something great. You know, it's just interpretation. The current things that are happening with the release of technology and how it's coming out. Mm-hmm. And there's task force since blue book that continue today, like a tip. I have mixed feelings about these topics, honestly, and I'm not really sure how to express it. Um, I've always felt a sense of resistance to say there's something else going on and I'd like to know. But I also respect the fact that there's misuses of technology all the time across the globe mm-hmm. and that there are stewards in place now of advanced technology, reverse engineered alien technology. And I don't think it's at a government level. I think it's at a private corporation level. Mm. And it's being used in a very like very careful way, you know? And so um, I would say that my interests have shifted over the years to being more like a finger pointer and saying the three letter agencies are doing a cover up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a cover up. They've been covering it up. Fine, but for a reason. And I'm, I'm not so interested about educating the public to say it's a conspiracy anymore. I'm more interested to actually be involved with some of these agencies mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. understand firsthand their perspective and access to the knowledge. Mm-hmm. I do think that there's a deeper layer and anything that's been put in front of the public up to this point has been part of a la- not showing you everything point of view. Mm-hmm. Part of that's for good and part of that might be maybe not in our best interests. Mm-hmm. But I think those those opinions have been changing. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't say it more uh, vague than that other than if you just look at what's happening even with shows like Ancient Aliens or shows and things that are coming out on the news, I don't think that there's like a, a release of disinformation that's going to like say, here it is, you know, we've been covering it up. I think it's more subtle than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think the game is changing. Last comment I would say is that, you know, 15 years ago, if I wanted to work, let's say I was, let's say I was Bob Lazar. Now I'm not, but I do have technical skills that I work on for consumer products. But Bob Lazar comes to someone with influence and says, I want to work on the cool stuff. He got to go work on the cool stuff. Now he chose to go public, but I do think that the game has changed that in that era since him until now, classified research isn't being done by just people in the military. Private civilians can also get involved. Mm -hmm. I think it revolves around a certain level of skill set and clearances, obviously, Mm -hmm. But it's open to everybody. And I think mm-hmm. that's really interesting that now that there are web developers and physicists mm-hmm. and many other different like degrees of skill sets mm-hmm. employed to look into reverse engineering and, and gain a broader knowledge of these things that have been stumping uh, the military and other organizations for mm-hmm. decades. Well, that's, that's also true that the technology is sort of a double-edged sword when it comes to that type of thing. Because like you said, it, it actually is empowering people to communicate worldwide, to find out what other people know, to look at objects, uh, you know, the use of Google. I mean, we're, we're, of course, if Google Earth, if you, if, as long as you don't come across one of the little black boxes, you know, everything else you can look at, you know, <laughs> uh, but th- it does seem to be a double-edged sword, and it seems like that genie's out of the box, and while there were major attempts to control all sorts of narratives in the last couple of years, I think with the rollout of AI, with the rollout of better computers, better communications that they're the powers that be aren't going to be able to corral that as they used to. And I don't yeah. know how they plan on crowding. I think, it, I think it, that, that, that horse is less left barn, you know, so that's, that's good news for us. Yeah. And just one quick definition. So the people at a basic level understand when we talk about AI, here's what AI is. It, 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 it's machine learning. So, you know, if I have a little baby computer, and I sit there and I feed it images all day of UFOs, at the end of the day, it's gonna know pretty much every single, because it's a computer, it's not a brain, it's gonna know every single UFO classification type event that's taken place. And now 
with that machine learned knowledge, it could look at current things. It could scrub all of the images on Google Earth or go through other archives of photograph things and look for stuff based on what it's learned, right? Mm -hmm. So that's pretty interesting is that, you know, I'm interested in using AI to scrub NASA's database of images of Mars, right? Mm -hmm. Or I'm interested in using AI to create an algorithm that looks at all the known objects that we call UFOs from triangular to cylindrical to spherical, right? Mm -hmm. Classify all of those. And now let's set a webcam network up using machine learning. Anything it's detecting or anything that it's already been filmed, we can go through that footage and see if an object's been found. I'll give you an example too. There are creative ways to find things. I use a, a thing here in California, which I know no one else is doing, but I'm gonna tell you a little secret. I use a thing called Surfline, surfline.com. Now Surfline has a network of cameras across the West Coast that monitors the coastline 24 hours a day, mm -hmm. recorded footage going back a week, always, mm -hmm. but it's watching the surf so I can know how the waves are, but it's also recording the sky. And you can go through that footage and see anytime there were reports of things over the West Coast or in certain cities, that mm. footage can be looked at and, and, and as an archive can be downloaded and then put through machine learning, right? So there are projects still on the table right now where there's sets of data, traffic cameras, surf cameras, travel cameras, lots of data that can be scrubbed through with machine learning to start to identify that there's patterns in our sky that have been going on. We're just not paying attention. Mm. Now that's if those that camera system doesn't have an algorithm that says, any anomaly in the sky, uh, put a cloud. <laughs> yeah, they're all they're all unfortunately still on antiquated systems that are uh, don't have that layer yet. Give it mm -hmm. five years and then you know mm -hmm. maybe so. But but that technology is there now, and we do have the ability to do machine learning on simple assets like images and videos, sounds, and even layouts for you know building things like mm -hmm. websites, mobile apps where it can learn and spit it out for you in milliseconds versus having to do it from hand. All right, so. final, final AI question. I, maybe you can help me on this. You seem to be a man about town here. Uh, I, I need to know, is this an internet hoax? Uh, there is some development of uh, robots somewhere, maybe Japan or somewhere, military robots, and they, I guess, may have killed somebody or whatever. They started to shut them down. So I, I forgot where I, where, where I was reading about this, but apparently this one robot, they tried to shut it down, or disable it, but it went to the internet and it researched how to repair itself and stayed on. Did you hear anything like that? I did not, but you know, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. We're we're getting to a point where that technology exists and the little robots playing with your children. Maybe there is a line that will be drawn on you know how much access we give the robots' decision-making capabilities because. Yeah, stuff like that is possible, and who knows what's coming. So we we, we want to be mindful to keep them as utilitarian tools, yeah. uh, and not so much take over all of our tasks that could be cause you know. Harm. Well, well, I'm not going to let them take over the edge broadcast, Jason. I've been doing this since Good. 2003. In fact, if you want to see the guest list, see how many people I've interviewed. Most people in ancient aliens, but click on the audio link there because I was doing audio before I was doing video. And you, your hand will get tired scrolling down that list, man. There's so many years and so many uh, guests that we've had on. And certainly, I, I, I would really appreciate years. it. I know you only had an hour, so that's about all we have with you tonight. Maybe we can have you back on. But tell, how can people get this book, Jason? Oh, I appreciate you promoting it. It's on Amazon.com. You can find it on Amazon.com or my website, Jason Martell, two L's, JasonMartell.com. But, Daniel, it's a real pleasure. I didn't realize... For some reason, your name just seemed familiar, like I was on like a year ago. So you're kidding me. It's been 19 years. Let's do another. Let's do another episode. You know, uh, very soon, a month or so. Yeah. Uh, sooner. So hey, thank you for having me on. Hey, not not a problem, Jason. I'm glad to have you back, man. Talk to you soon. Have a great night. You, you too. Bye bye. Bye bye.